The desire for recognition runs down deep in all of us. Right? The pull to, in our lives to make our, what we do and how we think in our lives mainly about us and to so badly want others to esteem us is a powerful human motivator in all of our hearts. And like all sin, let's be clear, such a desire for that recognition is a perversion of a good thing. I don't know if you knew that, but almost all sin is really a perversion of something good. And so it is with our desire to be noticed for recognition. Because it is true, we are made in the image of God. And that means that who we are and and what we do does matter. And therefore, in a real sense, we were made to relate to others, to know and be known, to love and to be loved, and to even create. And make a difference in God's world for God's glory. And and so all of that is good. But then what happens in each of us as sinners now is sin though comes in and it reduces our huge and beautiful calling to the small thing. We want everything to mainly be about us. In sin, we start to not live our lives out of love for the God who made us and, and love for others. And instead... We make so many decisions just concerning our time, money, plans, aspirations, maybe even religion and goals, merely or mainly out of a love for self. And when that happens, brothers and sisters, all of a sudden, our hearts in a way shrink as we start to not live in accordance to who we were meant to be. Because again, we were meant and made to be people who joyfully love our triune God and love others and find joy in that purpose. And then any recognition we get comes from that. It comes from being part of something much bigger and better than just ourselves. But instead of that, again, what so often happens and what often happens, especially in religious contexts, which we'll talk about this morning, is we start to live as if the world should revolve around us, that it's all about what we do and making a name for ourselves and being noticed by others. And as a quick side note on that, I do think, by the way, that that no longer being the case for us in our hearts at all will be one of the main things we might be surprised is just so refreshing in the life to come in glory. (laughs) Because we do talk a lot about, right, being perfect and not sinning in the new heavens and new earth in the future. But I do think that one of the things that we might find so different is just how not self-focused we'll be (laughs) in our daily living and thinking. But anyway, so that's all of us now. And yes, we each struggle with this in different ways and we each desire this recognition from different individuals or groups of people, but still, all of us have this innate, twisted desire now for sinful recognition. So that's us, which is why Jesus addresses this topic to us in our passage this morning. And when he does so, though, I do think that here this morning is yet again Another great example of how Jesus' teachings are so different than we'd sometimes think they'd be. 
And for this, as always, Jesus is brilliant. Because to just quickly sum up everything we're going to talk about this morning, yes, it is true that Jesus will be very clear here that, brothers and sisters, if we're doing things for others or doing things for God, in order to really, though, be seen by others and recognized by others, if that's really what's going on in our hearts, then it isn't right. right? That's already what we've been talked about. And so Jesus will be clear and profound on that. And yet... What's amazing here is that along with that, Jesus is going to teach that that doesn't mean, though, that we are to be ultimately selfless or absolutely selfless. And just hear me out what I mean by that. By ultimately or absolutely selfless, I mean having no regard for ourselves at all. And this is actually really important because you may be sitting there and hearing what we're going to be talking about this morning with not doing things in order to be seen by others and for selfish purposes. And then you may automatically assume that therefore the best God-honoring approach would be so I need to stop thinking about myself completely. But guess what? Jesus doesn't teach that application. Rather... As we'll cover this morning throughout the message, even to begin here though, just just look with me at verse 1. Just look with me at verse 1. Jesus opens with this, and notice the second half of what he says. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And so do you see it? Jesus doesn't teach absolute selflessness, meaning this unrealistic not thinking about yourself at all. Right? And how do we know that? Well, because Jesus knows that, yes, we are made to love God genuinely and love others. We are made for that big of a heart. And at the same time, though, he knows that in how we were made, doing that is what's good for us. It is what will bring each of us more purpose and joy. And even more specifically, he says, it's the way to our Father in heaven rewarding us in this life and in the next. And all that said, that then means, again, Jesus, our King here, is going to be talking to us who are saved by him and and in his kingdom. And he's telling us, church, to kill that self-focused desire for recognition that we all have to some degree, but also... Again, that said, Jesus does not teach us that we're then zeros or or that we're somehow to have no concern for ourselves at all. That's a fake humility. It's unrealistic. We aren't zeros or nothing. We were made in the image of God and what we do does matter. And so Jesus rather teaches us, yes, fight that sinful desire for selfish recognition, but do it knowing there is something better for you. There is loving others genuinely. There is truly loving and serving God. And living like that is not only for others' good or for God's glory, but it's also for your reward and good as well. And so that's what we'll be looking at from Jesus here together this morning. But all that said, that then briefly leads us to how we'll go through everything Jesus says to us as in our outline we'll have together. And so as normal here at ECC, we'll go verse by verse through what our Savior says here. And as you can see, since there's clearly three paragraphs here from Jesus, so for us, we'll have three sections together this morning. And as for what they are, first and and quickest of all, 
Well, look again, actually, at Jesus' warning he introduces, or he uses to introduce all of this in verse 1. And I know we just looked at that briefly, but we'll take a little more time to break that down. And then second, we'll then see Jesus give his first example of his warning, where he talks about selfishness in giving. Or more generally, as we'll talk about, selfishness there in something, even as we say that we're doing it out of love for others. Which then third and finally will lead us to see Jesus give his second example of what he's talking about, where he brings up praying, selfishness and praying. Or again, more generally, that will be selfishness in something, even as we're saying we're doing it out of love for God. And so in summary, three sections. First, Jesus' warning again. Second, an example of it as we're doing it out of love for others. Third, an example even as we're saying we're loving God. But all it said, church, let's then dive in and begin our first section. And here again, we're looking at Jesus' warning again, more in verse 1. And we already read this, but because this is really Jesus' main summary sentence of this whole passage, we'll dig in a little more. So Jesus continuing teaching us his people in the Sermon on the Mount. Look down at verse 1 again. He says this. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus starts here with beware, or more literally, pay attention to, or be careful of something. And what is it we are to be careful of? Well, simply said, we must be careful to not practice our righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. Right? And, and on that note, just quickly, two things. Two things. First, importantly, is that word righteousness that Jesus uses. And that's a very important word because I know for a lot of us it's been many weeks now. But remember, in chapter 5, to start this Sermon on the Mount, we talked about how in those Beatitudes, all those famous Beatitudes center around this same word of righteousness, the same word. Meaning for those in Jesus' kingdom, as those saved by Jesus, remember, one of our central realities is that Jesus says we now hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not to be saved, but because we're already saved by our king and we want to follow him. And you can go listen to that message on the Beatitudes for more on that. But in short, that does then mean that righteousness for Jesus and for us is a very positive thing. It is. We are hungry and thirsty for it as Christians. And that hunger and thirst for it does lead to a lot of blessings for people and, and, and for ourselves and even glory to God. And so this is a very positive word. But that said, that's then why Jesus using it here is quite fascinating. Because it could have said, beware of practicing your phony good deeds before others. Or something like that. But instead, he just calls it your righteousness. So that's the first thing to notice here. But then second, what though does he warn us about righteousness in this context? Well, again, Jesus says, beware of doing it before others in order to be seen by them. Right, and that last clause there is huge because Jesus himself does righteous things before others. And not only that, but church, remember, he's even told us already in the Sermon on the Mount to let our light shine before others. And so it's not that righteousness before others is wrong in itself. Instead, what is it? Well, well it's a motive issue, isn't it? It's, it's doing righteousness, which is good, but not for righteousness sake. It's doing it not to shine your light so that people will be giving glory to God. Instead, it's clearly righteousness and yet done for your own glory. 
Which again, as we opened with, let's be honest, when we do good things for others, or even when we do things and we say it's out of love for God, I think, brothers and sisters, we sometimes have this motive way more than we'd like to admit to be seen by others. And so that's what Jesus is warning us here, which quickly, though, leads to that second half of the verse. And again, this is interesting because Jesus didn't need to include this either. If he just said that first half, we would all agree, right? Because no one likes someone doing something good and you find out they're just doing it to be seen by others. But then Jesus adds this, quote, for because then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And we already talked about this a little bit, but this does then show us that, yes, Jesus is warning us to avoid being someone who does righteousness really in order to be seen. But also, again, he wants us to know that when we do right for God's glory, church, it is for our good as well. It really is. Shining our light before others for God's glory is a benefit to the shiner. And now in terms of what the reward that Jesus references here and later in our passage as well is, will people debate exactly what he means? But for me personally, studying it this week, I came to believe that I think Jesus intentionally is vague here with this idea of reward. He doesn't define it. And why? Well, because the truth is only God knows what specific types of rewards he'll lavish on us. Because think about it, that term probably includes rewards in this life, Rewards possibly like more joy in Christ or more peace or more victory over sin or something like that. And though rewards could mean realities in the future as well and glory. And so I think Jesus is intentionally vague here. But either way, the point clearly is there will be no rewards from our Father like that if we do things to be seen by others. So that's our first section, church. And of course, more could be said on that. But I hope we're all just tracking with Jesus so far. And for us, in applying that specifically to you and to me, instead of me or you thinking of examples, how that might apply, honestly, since Jesus is the best teacher, now moving on, we can see some of Jesus' examples of what he means. And that'll then be the rest of our passage. And so now let's do that, moving on to our second section together this morning. And here again, we're going to see Jesus' first example of his warning where he talks about giving to the needy. And here we'll be in verses 2 through 4. And on this, as we said earlier, yes, this is specifically about giving to the needy. But we need to know that it's also more generally just an example of something that we do, which would seem to be out of love for others. But really, it's about ourselves. And for this now, we'll take what Jesus says in two steps. First, what we shouldn't do, and then what we should. So let's start with just verse 2 and what we shouldn't do. Look down at your Bibles. Jesus continues like this. Thus... When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So to begin on this notice, while talking to us in his kingdom, Jesus starts here with thus when, not if, but when you give to the needy. In other words, you can see it for yourself. It is assumed by Jesus here that his followers do give. We are generous. And so we're to be people who give. But then when we do, right, what's the warning? Well, not to be like the hypocrites in the synagogues. And what did these hypocrites, these actors and disingenuous religious people do back then? Well, first, there was a trumpet sound associated sometimes with their giving. 
And to be honest, it's interesting, scholars love to debate exactly what Jesus is referencing here, and there's a few options, but in short, it's clearly that somehow, back then, there was sometimes a trumpet associated with their giving, which made, obviously, their giving more of an outward and noticeable thing. And then also, second concerning their giving, Jesus says these hypocrites were intentional to give in the synagogues and in the streets as well. Meaning, they wanted what they were doing to be noticed, both in their religious setting and by the everyday people in the streets. And then finally, concerning these hypocrites, Jesus says they did it all that they may, quote, be praised by others. Praised by others. And, and this is interesting. Just quickly, look at your Bibles. Comparing that to verse 1, you can see, remember, in verse 1, Jesus more generally warned us not to do things to be seen by others. But now here in verse 2, he, he takes it up a step. Because, because we might ask, but why do they? Why do we do things in order to be seen by others? And, and the answer is, well, just think of this example. People back then were giving. Which is, of course, a good thing in itself. But then, they were doing it in such a way where it was intentional, intentionally noticeable. Right, in the places of worship and in the streets. And why? Why were they really involved in the seemingly God-glorifying and people-loving thing? Well, not just to be seen by others, but even more specifically, to be praised by others. You see that? That's the root. They wanted human praise. And for us, brothers and sisters, when we're like this in the good things when we do, that we do, when we want to be seen for the good things we do in church or by our spouses in our homes or by our co-workers at our workplaces, often we really do want that praise as well. Which finally on this verse makes Jesus say that if that's what you want, then you've received a reward. And what he means by that is if that's what you want and that's what you get, then sure, you might have gotten it to some degree, but that's it. Your reward is that you've become so shrunken in your heart. Think about it. You've become so shrunken in your heart that you're not genuinely loving others or even loving God, but your heart has shrunk to making it all about loving yourself. And then sure, some people may see your actions and may think well of you, but then that's it. That's your reward. And that's it. And implied here by Jesus is, and that's a tragic reward. <laughs> It's tiny. It's pathetic. Praise from other mere small and sinful people is such a little thing to live for. <laughs> and so that's verse 2 in Jesus' warning here, which now leads us to what we should do. And for this, we'll be in verses 3 and 4. So look down at your Bible as so he continues on. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. So there's one major point to what Jesus says how we should give here. And what is it? Well, he says it in, right in two different ways. Two different ways. First, concerning us is that phrase, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And that's obviously hyperbole to a degree, but even still, I think we all understand the point. Because that's, in essence, a proverbial way of saying, even for yourself, when you give with your right hand, you should be so not all about yourself that in a way your left hand doesn't even know what it's doing. Right? And then Jesus basically says the same thing with his, so that your giving may be in secret. Because that's essentially the right and left hand analogy, but now concerning others. 
Because if to you, your giving is almost unnoticeable, it's just something you do when you don't overly fixate on how great you are, then towards others, it should be basically in secret. And on that, just to be clear, this doesn't mean that absolutely no one can ever know. And we know this because, for example, soon a woman is about to give to the temple in public and Jesus commends her for it. And, for example, we know in some places in the rest of the New Testament, Jesus' apostles do things like collect from churches for the needy and it isn't totally secret. And so this is not absolute secrecy per se, and yet this most generally should be our disposition in any giving we do. We should, church, give in such a way where it's almost unnoticeable to us and basically secret toward others. Which, for us, is honestly quite radical compared to our world, isn't it? (laughs) It is. Because think about it. We live in a society which, by God's grace, does honor and uphold in many ways giving and philanthropy. And that word philanthropy is actually even a helpful word because just so you know, the word philanthropy is just the Greek words love, philio, philio, and anthropos, humanity, put together. And so again, by God's grace, our culture does honor and uphold saying we love others and that we love giving to others. And yet, isn't it fascinating that we honor that, but then so often want, people want that giving to be made public. Isn't it interesting how often people want to make their giving known? Because think about it, people give, which is great, but then there are rewards or buildings or scholarships named after people who give or accolades or whatever. And in many ways, right, that has always been the case for humanity. We say we love to give to others and that we love others. And by God's grace, we do to a degree. But man, we also love to be someone who is known to be giving a lot to others. <laughs> and so all that said, it's, it's just in that context that Jesus says to us, his followers, that that desire for recognition is not to be us. Because again, concerning ourselves, our giving is almost to be unnoticeable. And concerning others, it's mainly to be in secret. Which finally, though, on the second section, before it moves on, brings us to why we can even be like this. So our giving is to be like that. And again, we may hear that. You may hear that and be thinking, see, Jesus is calling me to absolute selflessness. But he's not. Because then he adds in verse 4, quote, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And and that's fascinating because our left hand may not know what our right hand is doing and others may not know it at all because it's in secret. And yet, do you know who always sees our right hand? Who always sees the things that are done in secret? Your Father who is in heaven. God himself, your heavenly Father who loves you more than you know. Jesus appeals to us to be like this in our giving by saying, your Father sees always and seeing he will reward you. And again, concerning that reward, yes, we may not know exactly what it is or when it will be given, but still, Jesus' point is your Father who sees in secret, who sees everything you do and who sees all the motivation of your heart if you humbly and selflessly and for Jesus' glory give or just love people in any way in general, if that happens, Jesus says, yes, other people may not see it, but your Father sees and he will reward you accordingly. And Jesus, therefore, is essentially saying to each of us this morning, church, you and I can trust our Heavenly Father for that.
And so that's our second section, and that's Jesus' first example. But now finally for this morning, that leads us to Jesus' third, or our third and last section. And here we'll see Jesus' second example of this morning. And here he's going to talk about something that especially seems to be out of love for God. But unfortunately, even this can really be loving yourself. And this is his example of praying, of praying. And for this, we'll be in verses 5 and 6 now. And for this section, similar to the previous one, we'll start with just what we shouldn't do in verse 5. So continuing on, giving another example, Jesus continues, verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So again, Jesus assumes here that his followers will pray when you pray. And quickly, just so you know, praying is something that is assumed throughout the Bible as being a real part of all of Jesus' people. Because I just want to point out, think about it. The gospel is that Jesus, the Son of God, comes, lives, dies, and rises to bring us back into a right relationship with God the Father, which is what the gospel is. And that means if we say that we know Jesus and are saved in the gospel, and yet we, we don't ever talk to God our Father, then it does mean something is, is off. And so assumed here is that all Christians pray, and we do, and we will focus on prayer a lot more, as you can see next week. But here, what must we not do when we pray? Well, again, Jesus talks about hypocrites here. People who appear to be one thing but are really another. And they appear to be love, praying because they love God. But here, what do they really love? And notice, Jesus does use that word love here. Well, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. They're publicly religious and they pray in the streets. And why? Well, quote, so that they may be seen by others. And it is interesting that Jesus here goes back to seen. Because with giving, remember, the hypocrite's goal was that they may be praised by others. And that makes sense. Because back then and still today, people still do praise people for giving, right? They say, that's so generous of you. That's so kind of you. But what about, what about praying? Well, back then and still today, think about it. It's rarer for someone to say to you, especially while you're praying, hey, you're so great because you're praying. <laughs> right? It's possible, but more likely, it's that they might see you praying in public and then they'll think, that you're so holy or religious. And the point back then is that these people knew that. And so, although they might not have gotten verbal recognition for their praying, still, they so loved the fact that people saw them and thought highly of them. That, that was their goal. And like last time, Jesus says, because of that, they've received their reward. Meaning, sure, some people may think that you're so holy and great, but that's it. And again, that's such a small, hypocritical, and such a tragic reward. Because think of who we are. We were made, brothers and sisters, to genuinely love God and to have a real relationship with God in prayer. And instead, though, if we're like this, we shrink our hearts and we settle for the goal of other people just seeing our religiosity. Other people thinking somehow so highly about our holiness, even though it's a fake holiness. And then that's it. Right? And quickly, for all of us in church here this morning, right? Let, let's realize this can apply to so many things that you and I say we do for God or out of love for God. I mean, it really can. It can apply to coming to church. 
Right? It can especially apply to being involved in church or in other Christian activities. It can apply to seemingly pious or godly things we do or say in our homes. It can apply to our motives for why or what we post on social media as Christians. Right? It can apply to why we are so strict and looking down on others for some of the things they do. And more. Because right? the truth is, brothers and sisters, in so many ways, we can say that we're doing something because we love God. But often the reality is, if we analyzed our hearts, we might actually see that we just want other people to think of us as so good and religious people. And, and again, Jesus' point is, if that's the case, then sure, some people may think that. Or honestly, they may not, because most people see through that. <laughs> but either way, if that's, if that's it, then that's all you get. And we were made for so much more. <laughs> and therefore, moving on, instead of being like that, though, what does Jesus here tell us to actually do? We'll now look at our final verse for the morning in verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So again, like with giving, we shouldn't take this verse as saying all public praying necessarily is bad. And we know that because Jesus himself will sometimes pray in front of his disciples and later in public. And the apostles of the New Testament do as well. And so it's not that we can't ever pray in public. And yet, that said, I still do think, like with the example of giving, I do think that what Jesus says here is to be by far the norm for us as Christians in our praying. Meaning our talking to God isn't primarily to be something where other people see. Instead, it is to be a habitual relating to God, a talking to him when other people don't see it, but of course God does. Right? And you see that from Jesus, because notice Jesus tells us to go into your room and shut the door. And back then, just so you know, most Greco-Roman houses only had one actual room, or some had two, and therefore most scholars agree that this word room here is mainly just talking about some sort of closet. And so this is nothing fancy. But the point is, Jesus says, because of what prayer actually is, go find a place where it's just you and God. Make sure it's you and God, God, and then talk to him. Talk to your Father who loves you. And so that's most of this section, church, which brings us finally to talk about one more thing from Jesus here, though, in this section. One more thing. And this is something I want to point out because it really stuck out to me this week, and I think it can have big impact on our lives in all of this. And to set this up, so think about it. In this passage, we have a lot about warning, about doing our righteousness to be seen by others or praised by others. And then in contrast to that, Jesus primarily is saying, no, do it in secret. And God, your Father, who sees in secret, he will reward you. Right? And to be honest, for, for, my, for me, as I was reading and studying this passage this week, that's all I thought that Jesus was mainly saying. But then, there's this, this one time I was reading through this final paragraph this week, and I came to verse 6 and slowed down. And, and this sounds maybe a little silly, but it's interesting because in my formatting of the copying of the Bible here, my Bible says this in verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who... And then there's this big break where I have to go to the top of the, sec the right column on this page to finish it. And so when I was reading it a little slowly, I saw pray to your father who, and because Jesus normally calls your father who is in heaven like he did in verse 1, and like he's about to do in the Lord's prayer, when I had to go to the top of the page, I kind of assumed that Jesus would say there, pray to your father who is in heaven. 
And yet, amazingly, that's actually not what Jesus decides to say in verse 6. It's actually an astonishing thing, and I love this. And this is why we must sometimes read our Bible slowly. Because in this paragraph, it is true. God sees everything, and it is true. He will reward us, and it is true. He is our Father who is in heaven. But then also, now notice in verse 6, Jesus intentionally adds, and he is your Father who is in secret. Do you see that? It's not just that he sees in secret. But Jesus almost awkwardly says, he is your father who is in secret. And to clarify this, I even looked this up in the original language. And I just want you to know, the first part here is really basically the same words and word order as verse 1. Verse 1, your father who is in heaven. Verse 6, your father who is in secret. And that means, to finally bring this home to each of us, it means that, let's be clear, God sees all of this we're talking about like others might see it. And he sees our hearts like others don't. And we should seek his reward, not the puny reward of the praise of others. But also, let's be clear, Jesus says, just as other people are truly around you in your midst in all of this, so God your Father is truly in your midst. And we need to know that. Or to say it another way, your father is not just watching, but he's present. And I know, right? We say that all the time, that God is with us. And he is. But I do think that sometimes, let's be honest, that can mainly be just words. And we can struggle with the reality of it. But brothers and sisters, it is reality. And to be clear, God's true presence right here, right now, is not dependent actually on our feelings of it. Instead, it's about reality because in reality, you and I don't live on this earth or day to day in our lives with just or mainly other people. Instead, truly, God himself, our Father, is really here. He's he's reigning in heaven and he's really here with you and I personally by his spirit. And truly knowing that has huge implications. Because think about it, to to now bring this really all full circle now, think about it. The reason that you and I can sometimes crave such silly recognition from others, and the reason we can even do religious things in the name of God to be praised by others, is because we don't really believe that God is watching, or especially that God is present with us. I mean, we walk around as if we're so important Because we're just blinded to that reality. But imagine if you fully, truly knew that God, I mean the God who created all this, the God who knows and loves you personally, imagine if you knew that he was truly present with you when you gave. Or especially imagine if you really knew he was present with you when you prayed. Because if you knew that, and really, like, like you know that you're in Stamford, Connecticut, or you're sitting in a pew right now with other people, if you really knew of God's presence like that, then it, it would change you. Right? It would change our motives. It would change why we do things. And the point is from Jesus here that God is with you and I like that. And therefore, brothers and sisters, again, we need to know that. And then it'll have ripple effects in our lives. Because then, whether we're doing something for others, like giving, or whether we're doing something out of love for God, like praying, either way, we'll know that, yes, our Father is watching, but also He's with us. He's involved in what's going on. He's the one enabling us, and He's smiling at us as we do it for His glory. Which, remember, is also for our good. (laughs) 
So that's our passage, church. Which now quickly, as we come to a close, finally just means for all of us first that we probably should each be humbled by all of this, right? Humbled. We should realize that we have this temptation and this hypocritical ability inside each of us. And that's why, especially with a passage like this, we do even right now just need to remember the gospel, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Because the gospel, the good news of Jesus, remembers that we really are saved and loved by God in Jesus alone, by grace alone, by trusting in Jesus alone. Which means, to be clear, it's not that we now each need to go and obey this enough in order to be okay or loved by God. Instead, we really are saved by trusting in Jesus alone and what our king in history did for us in his life and his sacrificial death and the fact that he rose from the grave. And so church, let's just rely on that. And then also, please, if, if you are here and you have not personally trusted in Jesus like that, then honestly, I just want to say to you, before applying any of what Jesus said here this morning, I do encourage you first, personally trust in Jesus and the gospel this morning because that is personally needed before any of us can obey or follow what Jesus says. And so first, we should each be humbled by this and remember the gospel. But then also, church, once we do know Jesus and are in his kingdom, then we really should try to listen and do what he says here. Meaning we need to know that, again, we each have this temptation for recognition. And so, therefore, whenever you're doing your righteousness, we need to be so careful of this. Because just one last time, we may each think, that recognition by other people or accolades or being noticed it just feels so great and is good. But Jesus says no. In love, he says no, that's not what's right. That's not what's best for you. Instead, let's all know, church, that in whatever we do, we have our loving Father in heaven who sees it all, who is with us and who will reward us as he sees fit. And so, yes, let's fight hypocrisy. Yes, let's kill that desire of just wanting to be seen. But also, as Jesus told us earlier, let's aim to let our lights shine before others for God's glory, for the benefit of others, and for our good and reward as well. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.